Welcome to the Beyond Birth Podcast. Join us each week as we take the conversation of motherhood beyond birth. I'm your co-host, Liz Winters, a nutritional therapy practitioner, certified pre and postnatal coach, and mama. I'm joined by my friend and co-host, Jenny Anderson, yoga teacher, full spectrum doula, and mama. Our hope is to inspire, educate, and empower women as they navigate pregnancy, postpartum, and parenthood with evidence-based guidance, informative interviews, and hopefully entertaining anecdotes from our perspectives as moms, entrepreneurs, and birth professionals. While you're listening, please keep in mind that the information on this podcast is for general purposes only and should not be considered medical advice. Thanks so much for joining us. You are. Let's do it. Oh, wow. It just really did that. It just, we're we're recording right now. (laughs) (laughs) Usually it's like, are you sure? Where do you want to record? I get lots of I think that maybe it was like eavesdropping on us and it was like, now, now go, just hit it, hit the button, hit the button. How Alexa actually listens to you for like 15 minutes after her little blue light goes off. Did you know that? No, but I was at my therapist appointment the other day and I didn't have any, I do have like Siri technically engaged. So I do know it's kind of listening to me and I was talking to her and she said, how about nine 30 on this date? And I was like, okay. So I went to hit the add button in my calendar. Boop. I didn't, I didn't give it any information. I just hit plus And it was like this date at nine 30. I was like, shut the fuck up. Oh yeah, I did it. I looked at her and I told her what happened. And she said that that is not the first time that's happened in her office with people on their phones. That's super creepy. They're listening. I have Siri turned off mostly because she was taking up too much battery. Gotcha. Um, Siri is really great in my house for timers. Yes. Timers are essential. Timers are essential. And Siri is this like third party feminine power. Like of, you know, Siri said, Siri came down with it. She said it was 34 degrees outside. We're not going outside. Siri said two minutes. (laughs) Yeah. That's what we use Alexa for too. (laughs) Oh yeah. Same difference. Timer. I mean, between that and like literally you and I are using our computers right now to do a video call, like knowing that my video is probably on way more than I think it is. Everybody has seen and heard everything about me at this point. There is no more mystery. There's no more veil to lift. (laughs) It's all here. It is all out there. Oh my God. Don't fool yourself. (laughs) Um, I'm not a doomsdayer. I'm not a doomsdayer. However, I tried to go visit Liz recently, you guys, and she... (laughs) welcomed me with a very high child fever (laughs) and vomiting. I welcomed you. That's just how I asked you to leave. That's true. That's very true. You were, you were, you were very kind on the front end. So for like context, Jenny drove out here from Bend with her Mm -hmm. beautiful daughter, Mac, Mm -hmm. and we were going to hang out for the weekend and do some like bulk recording and like, just like see each other in person because it's been more than a year. Yes. Like, actually, I think it's since we started the podcast. Right. We've that we've actually never done it in person because both the times that we were trying to coordinate things didn't happen. So, you know, we were like, let's make this happen. Yeah. And then, and, and Liz has a Prius because she's very earth conscious and I really appreciate that. Extra Portland. <laughs> but she's in Portland and you cannot make your way from Portland to Ben in a Prius between the months of November and March. No, absolutely not. It's not going right. to happen. No. Yeah. So I went over to her, which is great. Love Portland. No other reason. I yeah. mean, like, that's fantastic trip. And Mac was super excited to stay in a hotel and we went and had dinner at your house. and It was awesome. And Edie and Mac got along like two peas in a pod. Can we talk about that for a second? So cute. Like they, at least on our end, they had the best time. And Shane and I were talking about how like Edie never warms up to somebody as quickly as she warmed up to Mac. Oh like, my God. The fact that she's like, yeah, come to my room. 
and like they were playing dress up and like whatever other weird games mom and baby i'm not really sure what was happening a lot of mom and baby mac is obsessed with a mom and baby well so is edie she likes to be the baby (laughs) mac likes to be the mommy this is what happened i was like they were the fastest friends they were just like instant buddies and like and then watching them at dinner together was hilarious whatever one person did the other person had to do whatever one person commented on the other person had to comment on whatever one person did in their house that was acceptable (laughs) wasn't acceptable in the other person's house that got brought up too you remember Edie was like Mac you can't eat yet (laughs) I was like thank you Edie okay so we just started this like this is like a very new like thing we're trying we're like hey Edie like let's wait till everybody gets to the table before we start eating and then I heard her say like Mac stop eating and I was like okay she's a guest we gotta we gotta work on like (laughs) delivery here Mac can do whatever the hell she wants oh my god (laughs) It's amazing. They were so funny, but I love seeing that, like, just, I, I guess for me, the, the context that I'm coming from is, like, Edie typically takes a long time to warm up, which is totally fine, but it used to be just, like, like, you would say, hey, do you want to go play? And she's like, no, go away. I need space. And, like, mm. very emotional. And, like, again, we really supported her in right. establishing that she needs that space, and that's, and that's fine. And hearing her own voice. Damn, this is so much easier. <laughs> Yeah. And like, especially because Mac was coming into her space, you know, that could have been really uncomfortable for her. And I'm really grateful to have it. I, do you remember the part where after Mac drank the delicious cherry juice you gave her, she started chomping on the ice cubes, Oh, (laughs) like digging them out of the cup and putting them in her mouth and chomping on them. And Edie was like, "Ah, what are you doing? You can't eat ice. She was like looking at, she was looking at Shane and Shane's like, it's okay. It's like, that's okay in her house. I was like, Oh God. Totally fine. These are not things that anybody, like anybody at the table needs to stress over. So cute. It's just like these like moments of them understanding there's a world out there and people do things differently and it's okay and it's safe and it's beautiful. And like, it's, that was really actually magical for me. The more that they kind of encountered these like, you know, record stoppers. They were like, what? What? (laughs) What do you mean I can't eat right away? (laughs) What's going on here? So cute. Yeah. So anyway, so then we had this delightful dinner. They played so well together, cleaned up together. Did. I still have your book. It's sitting on my nightstand because you gave me a book to read to Mac that night to return to you the next day. Mm -hmm. And then I got a text message at three o'clock in the morning. Yeah. So I, so Edie comes into our room and she'd come into our room a couple times and I thought she was just kind of like wound up from like fun night. We went to bed a little bit later <laughs> and she knows like Mac is coming over the next day. So she's really excited, but she comes over and she like rolls over and I was like, you're kind of warm. And then she like looks at me. She's like, I think I need to go potty. And I was like, okay. And then she like, I was like, come on, just like crawl over me. Cause we have a bathroom in our room. And as she's crawling over, she just looks at me and goes, and like, seriously, like (laughs) vomits multiple times all over me and the bed. And I was like, oh my God, this just happened. Oh my God. Calm. Right. Cause you're like trying to freak them out. But I'm like, I have vomit in my hair right now. Girl, you're like, you didn't have vomit in your mouth. There was like so many things that it could have got. Yeah. It could have been so much worse. (laughs) And so I was like, okay. She steamrolled you and then puked on you basically? Well, she was like trying to like, like crawl over me and then <laughs> it didn't happen. <laughs> and then she like got to the bathroom and sat on the toilet. I don't think she actually had to pee, but she's like, I need to get right. to the bathroom. Right. And then proceeded to throw up while sitting on the toilet. <laughs> like, <laughs> so it's like all over the floor. That's the tricky one-two combo where they're like, my tummy hurts. And you're like, okay, well, which one do I want to catch? Which end? Which end are we? Sit oh, down on that toilet. Sit down on the toilet. Always sit down on the toilet. <laughs> Let me get you a bowl. 
Yeah. So there was like no time for a bowl or anything. So it was, oh, it was bad. And then I like felt her for a fever and I was like, oh shit. Okay. That's not a text you. And I was like, please have your phone be on silent. It was. I like, yeah. Yeah. Like, I don't, I'm so sorry. And then Shane had like sympathy sickness or the same? Well, so because we, I think we've been up so many times that night, like he just like didn't get sleep. And I think it was the combo of a bunch of dairy, gluten, and sugar in the previous days. Gotcha. He's one of those guys that like, he can have some dairy, he can have some gluten and he eats a lot of sugar. Um, but if he has a lot of them all at the same time or like in repetition, he gets migraines. Oh, and so I think that was part of it. So I was like, I didn't even think, I thought he was just tired the next day. So when I texted you and I was like, we can just push back a little bit. Like, I think she's fine. <laughs> like, you were ready to rally. I was like, I was, I was, but I was like, okay. I wanted to let you know, like, we're sick. Mm-hmm. But also if you're like, you're here, you know? And I just, oh my God, I felt so bad. But then I'm so glad you guys decided to go do like Portland adventure because shame was a hot mess. Like he wouldn't yeah. have been able to do anything. No, no, I don't. I mean, yeah, I don't. I it it was like right from the get go. I was like, oh my god, it's totally okay. Like it's black and white. It's not even a decision to be made. Right. But it was so nice to have dinner together. It was so nice. I can't wait to come back over. Yeah. Yeah. And Mac, the other day we were driving. She, I was, I said something about her favorite people, and she goes, I really like Dad and Grace, but I only like you when we go to Portland. I was like, well, I could choose to be really offended, but you're four, and your job in life is not to make me happy so cool let's go to Portland more kid <laughs> like, <laughs> thanks for that honesty <clears throat> I mean mom Jenny in Portland comes with a pool right yeah and like undivided attention no little sister no no work really I mean I think I had to do like a couple phone calls but in this case work was literally going to dinner with you so yeah. work was great I hope you counted that mileage oh you betcha <laughs> oh you betcha a thousand percent all of it on the card so yeah. funny oh yeah so we had sat down on saturday night and talked about a few different podcasts that we wanted to do yeah. the next day we were going to bust out three boom 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 and so now we are trying to rally and and try to uh, squeeze these in now we're just basically back to our, our standard schedule <laughs> yeah think, let's record <laughs> here we are we had a great dinner slash brainstorming session and now we are living yeah. it out and that felt good. Now we it know did. what we're doing with our lives. Felt great. And the girls had a great flight date. That's true. And Mac never got sick, knock on wood. Right. That's great. It was amazing. Yeah. Um, so tell me about what we're chatting about today. Oh, well, so we had last week had that great interview with Coyote Midwifery. Yes. With Joni and Caitlin. And I just, I feel like that particular interview brought up so many things that we don't necessarily touch on in great detail. Um, and that, I think, I think they were our first midwives that we've had on the show, if I'm not mistaken. I can't think of anybody else. I can't either, but I think that that's like, not to say that any of our guests are forgettable, but just cause my brain is not there. No, I think, I think, I think they were the first, um, like midwifery group to come on. And I think so too. really appreciated having that perspective. Yeah. I'm also just kind of obsessed with midwives and so I'll fangirl them in general, but Jenny and Caitlin were so fun. And I'm obsessed with their cheese board. I will fangirl, fangirl them all day about that. And guys, if you haven't gone to the website, to Coyote Midwifery's website to look at the cheese board, please just go do this. I know it's like we talk about, I've talked about it multiple times in the last episode. And now we're talking about it in this episode. Yeah. If you guys want the right meal postpartum, it's that cheese board. 
Can I tell you that I actually survived this whole, this this past weekend. Um, We did a a beauty counter like retreat training day because we were all supposed to be in San Francisco. Um, And Cassie Knable, she hosts uh, Rebel Heart Radio and she is also like a big foodie. (laughs) She put together cheese boards and charcuterie boards and like literally that's what I ate all weekend and it was the best thing. Delicious. So good. It's all we need. It's all you need in life. It really is. It hits all the groups. Yeah, I'm with you. Um, but that's so, not really what we, we were like. <laughs> no, so the cheese board is, the cheese board was so, such like, for me, it was clickbait. I would have, anybody who posts that cheese board, I'm going to see what you're doing, what you're selling, what you're working with. I want to see more. Noted. <laughs> File that away. You want to be a social well, media influencer? Put a good cheese board in your feed. Cheese boards. Jenny got um, You got me. So I found, so A, they were, if they were our first midwives, that's really interesting, but I, I kind of almost feel like they're the, they're like the, the birth workers birth worker or they're like the midwives for midwives sort of factor and you had mentioned in the interview at one point that some people ask you know are midwives just for hippies or on the flip side of that are all midwives hippies <laughs> excuse me and the answer is you know blatantly no a lot of um, midwives you can be a midwife and work exclusively in a hospital you can come from a labor and delivery nurse aspect um, background training etc so it's not like you know a hippie in the sense of I turn my back on western medicine it is um, more along the lines of treating the whole individual. And I find that coyote midwifery's approach is really treating the individual, really going above and beyond to change their approach, to change their treatment, to expand their offering, to tend to individuals. And that includes their clients, their patients, and then themselves also. So that's why I call them kind of like the birth workers, birth worker, because I think some of us, doulas, other midwives, doctors included, really try to wedge ourselves into, okay, this is what is expected. This is what I'm supposed to do. And I found what was so refreshing about them is they were writing their own guidelines. Yeah, totally. I, I really appreciated that it, like their care was so, or the way they spoke about their care was so individualized. And when we were going to bring them on the show, we were going to have them talk mostly about their approach to sustainable midwifery, which was something that was really fascinating to me where they like aren't on call 24 seven and they aren't taking on births all the time because I mean, even our listeners that are doulas and Jenny, you can speak to this far more than I can because I make it my life goal to not be on call ever. Not true. I mean, kind of, no, that's true. That's totally true. I don't like being on call. Um, <laughs> this is why I'm not a doula. Um, <laughs> that you can burn out really easily. Yeah. It's not, it, it is a sense of burnout. It, it's also this, you know, um, to, to show up for anything requires some sort of energy. And so when we all get ready for work, whether it's a class that you're coaching at six o'clock in the morning, showing up to a nine to five at nine o'clock, mm-hmm. um, being somebody who works like in the service industry and you don't go until later on in the evening, like we all kind of, you get queued up for your day, you know, you prep yourself for your day. And when you're on, on call, it's a real like stressor, adrenal gland, like, slap because some of the times I'm like climbing into bed, getting all settled for bed. And I realize that at any second I could get a phone call and I have to go from one state of mind to the other state of mind immediately. And I find for me that that's kind of where the drain comes from. Totally. That the feedback that I get being at births, the, the energy I get from moms, the, what I'm getting back is amazing. What's harder is 
trying to fall asleep on those nights that I'm on call. Like that's the harder part is to, is to tell my body, like, I know you might have to wake up in an hour, right. but can you go to bed right now? And anybody who's been postpartum knows how sometimes when your baby falls asleep, you think to yourself, yeah, I know I should probably fall asleep right now, but I would rather not sleep than have to wake up if that in 10 minutes, if that baby wakes up in 10 minutes. So we forego our little nap and like that really does a number on your system. Like that's not good for your system. And so that's where I kind of see on-call burnout. That's where that happens. If we knew we had to work the night shift, if we knew we had to work a 24 hour birth, but you could kind of prep for it and get into it, I feel like it would be more manageable. Right. It's that unknown factor. Like the nature of birth though. Like it's, it's, they arrive when they want to arrive. Right. Yeah. Yes, exactly. And how they want to arrive. Yeah, a hundred percent. So I think that they are incredibly wise and, and I hope that that's sustainable for them. And I don't mean that, like, I don't mean to say that I'm, that I don't think it is, Uh, you know, I, I really hope that that, that is working for them because I would love to see that be the future of, um, care, provider care setups and stuff. Right. I think it's going to take a lot of policy change right? Like, I think it, it can't just be some midwifery groups do this. There's like some midwives spend, you know, these six months and they're going to be on call. These are the births that they're going to attend and this is their time off, but rather having a more supportive and inclusive system that recognizes what midwifery care and that care model does for people who use it and then making it more accessible for all. Right. Right. And, and recognizing that we also can't over-specialize ourselves, you know, they really balance out their on-call time with having these other services they offer to people. And that, that's where you kind of get to balance out that lifestyle. Well, and that's something you and I have talked about before where it's like, I don't just see nutrition clients and I don't just teach fitness classes because do you have any fitness classes I would have to teach a week, a month? I mean, I did that in 2018, right? To like make ends meet, but having multiple income streams. And then also recognizing the, like the season, seasonality of, of work. Like people don't want to go do a nutrition program in December. It's not going to happen. It's like, I need to plan for other things to be funding my income in December, but like come January, that's going to be like a pickup time for me in terms right. of health and wellness. Right. But it's going to be a dip in terms of, um, you know, commerce, like beauty counter, like beauty counter, like you, you don't, you don't make money in January and February. I mean, okay. I don't make money in January and February <laughs> like because people are tired of spending their own spending freezes. Like those little dips, ebbs and flows are going to be really, really natural. And it doesn't mean you're doing anything wrong. It's just part of kind of that system. And like, you'll see that I think in any kind of, any kind of industry, not just like entrepreneurship. Right. 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 Otherwise we get kind of um, not even burnt out, but like kind of that going along that half speed going a little bit in auto mode and that's not why anybody who is in the birth world got into the birth world, got into birth work. And so you have to kind of like, this is such a stupid analogy. It's a farm girl in me. Um, but like you can't always grow one crop in one field. You got to rotate that crop or you're going to suck the nutrients and that crop is never gonna be able to grow there. You know, you can't always just be a birth doula only there for birth people only there, you know, offering the same thing for the same, for everybody at any time of the year, being on call, keeping your family, you know, in a, in a certain state of always on alert. Like it's not. Do you think that's communicated in like, in I'm thinking of like doula training specifically? Like, 
I think that beyond like placenta encapsulation, right? Like that's, that's the other stream, right? Yeah. Uh, well, you know, what the other one is, is childbirth education. Okay. Um, and, uh, I have some thoughts about that. It's like, it's such a, you don't make a lot of money being a doula, even though like, it's just such as like double-edged sword. You don't make a lot of money being a doula, but on the other hand, like it's a pretty big out of pocket for people who are paying for a doula. Right. So it's not that I don't take it very seriously that, that this is a good, like my fee is a thousand dollars. Like I don't take that lightly that people are paying me a thousand dollars out of their pocket. That's right. not covered by insurance to be at their birth when they, you know, already probably maxed out their out of pocket with their insurance for the year. Um, but that being said, like I'm on call for f full four weeks and that might be my only client that month. And so that's not like a, a you know, full-time job or anything like that. Right. And so you're, either accepting the fact that it's a part-time gig or you are trying to find different streams of income. And then what happens with being an on-call person is that you can't also schedule things. You know, you can't say, okay, I'm going to be here 10 a.m. every Tuesday to teach a fitness class. Oh, never mind. I have a mom in labor. I can't show up. And so you kind of, it's really hard to be somebody who's an active on-call doula and teaching regular classes, whether it's, um, childbirth education or doula training or fitness classes or any of those factors. So you kind of have to do those other things that fall within this on your own time, um, like placenta encapsulation or even a little bit of, I think postpartum doula works a little bit easier to match, but even then if you get too many clients, it maxes out, like maxes out. Right. It's still like a time for dollars situation. Yeah. 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 Um, I think one time somebody told me that like a true full-time doula does four to six births a month. That's gotta be somebody who doesn't have a family. That's gotta be somebody who can go home after a weekend of doing two births and, or, you know, and, and like sleeping for 24 hours. I, I just think it only works for so for, for certain people in a certain lifestyle. Well, yeah, I think you'd have to have a backup or be like part of a collective, mm -hmm. right? Like, so I know a lot of doulas and sure. are like part of, are part of various collectives. And I think like, so you get that, you know, we're 90% sure that you're going to get Jenny as your doula, but if something happens, like then Megan's going to be your doula. And so okay. I think that can be helpful, but again, like you just have to have that support team. And then I want to go back to what you were saying about like insurance, right? So I mean, this is where I think policy change is so important because could you imagine, like, I know a lot of people can use like their HSA or FSA mm -hmm. Um, mm -hmm. for doula care, mm -hmm. but I mean, that's just making it basically tax-free, right? Like right. not getting taxed on the income. But could you imagine if that was like built in as part of your like copay? Right. Go find a doula and like allowing doulas to be part of like the insurance system or somehow. So you're getting compensated fairly and not all of it's falling onto the families because it, it ultimately reduces like birth expense. Right. So if we're looking exactly. at exactly just from like the numbers, like from, from purely like let's reduce our cost of healthcare in this country. Doulas are helping that. Mm -hmm. There was a study that came out, a Cochrane study that came out and said that um, doulas reduce interventions, reduce the length of birth or labor, um, reduce the need for um, uh, epidurals and pain management. Um, and usually moms have a, an increased mom satisfaction in the birth after. And the like last sentence of the study was basically, if a doula was a medicine, it would be unethical for a doctor or a hospital not to administer it. Right. 
And so their point is like, everybody should have this. And yet we haven't figured out a way to, and like, and to your point, all those factors are cheaper, cheaper labors. Right. So there, this is that we have found a comparable thing, you know, that you could, you could, this is not going to cost you any more money and yet people are going to be happier and we're going to have less C-sections and, <laughs> but it's not, it's not. Um, so part of the problem also, I will say is that I think that doulas right now really, really appreciate being independent and being able to provide the care that is unique to them and to be able to say, I work for the client, not for the hospital, not for the insurance company, not for the doctor. And that if you were to put that in some sort of insurance plan, that all of a sudden now it has to be, you know, did you do this, 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 and this, or did you show up for this, 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 and that? Did you, you know, check all those boxes and, you know, midwifery care and, and OB care is more quantifiable and doula care. And then a little bit more of midwifery care is more qualified. Like how did it feel? Right. And I think that that's one of the bigger, I almost feel like if doulas wanted to be under insurance, they would. And when I'm, and I say doulas, I mean like the big organizations like Adona or, Duels International, like, I, I don't think that they really want to be regulated by insurance. No, I think all the restrictions that get placed on them, like right. who, what kind of client you can work with. I know that in Oregon, um, there's a lot of talk about like pre-existing conditions or like past birth experience that would basically risk you out of working with a midwife in Oregon. So that's coming up. So like my history of stillbirth or neonatal death, it was up for discussion that perhaps... I am not a good candidate for midwifery care. Which is ridiculous. Which is ridiculous. And that's the other thing we talked about in this coyote midwifery um, conversation last week was like this concept of high-risk pregnancy and how important midwifery support is through that. Yes. And that's almost like their answer was almost my answer to people when they asked me why I got into doula care because I wanted a midwife. I wanted a midwife not because I'm hippie, but because (laughs) I wanted, here's like the number one difference in, 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 um, care during your pregnancy from a midwife versus from an OB. Your OB appointment is probably going to last you 10 to 15 minutes. They're going to ask you, do you have any questions? Here's how you're measuring. Here's what we should do about it. See you in a couple of weeks. If you go to your midwife, you're going to have an hour long appointment. They're going to talk to you about, they're going to ask you questions. They're going to bring up things. How are you guys doing emotionally, physically? What's your diet like? What's your, what are your hopes like? What could we be doing to offset this thing that might be kind of the stress that's happening in your life? It's going to be a total care system. And so when I got shot out of the midwifery care model, the thing that I was grieving the loss of was, was those appointments. You know, I had absolute faith that my OB was going to deliver a healthy, help me deliver a healthy baby. And he did. And so when they were talking about that, they actually really like to jump into those high risk pregnancies or any mama or any, God, they're so much better at this. What did, what do we call them that they are? Intersectionality? Uh, what do you mean? Uh, like, like I shouldn't call everybody a mama, a mom and a husband or a mom. It's oh. like the, the birthing, the birthing person. Birthing person. Right. Yeah. Thank you. They're really, they're really good at that sort of stuff. Um, so the, the birthing person, if they just choose to birth at the hospital for whatever reason, they can still have midwifery care concurrent with their um, OB care. And I, oh my God, like that's exactly what I had kind of always hoped for. And so I think that if that, if midwifery care is anything that ever interests you and for whatever reason you're giving birth in a hospital, that you should definitely pursue that other aspect, that other option of support. And we've talked about, I think also in the past that if you're, if you're postpartum, when you're postpartum, you can have a midwife take care of you and baby. And you guys are taken care of as a dyad, which is what you are. You're two parts of one whole and you're not going to therefore see a pediatrician and your OB 
although you would, if you had the OB, you would still go and see them and they are going to come into your house and they're going to come in and check on you and your surroundings and how everything's going. And it's just a much, the rest of the world takes care of women postpartum this way. And we don't seem to see that this is what's important. So these midwives are on the, the front line of showing how care should be for mama's postpartum. I, people. I can't, I can't imagine how different my postpartum experience, especially those like first six weeks with Edith would have been if I had been able to afford a midwife the first time around. Me too. Cause that's what it came down for us, for us with numbers oh, is like we had insurance. And so like our birth of the hospital was going to be not free, but like manageable. And when we, cause I'd actually looked cause so, so I'm delivering with Alma again this time. Um, but we'd looked at them for our first pregnancy and it was one of those like, oh, this is like such a great program. But like with our insurance situation, like there was no way we could make it happen. But understanding the kind of support that I really would have benefited from in those postpartum time, that postpartum time, like that's invaluable. I mean, just. I'm going to go out on a limb here and say everybody would benefit from it. Oh, totally. Everybody. I'm just, just thinking like, what your birth is or your interests are in terms right. of medicine and intervention and, and you know, all of it, everybody would benefit from somebody coming in and being in your space and respecting that space. Right. And treating, and like you, you said, journey. as a dyad, because like yeah. Edie and I had trouble with nursing. Well, it takes two to tango on that one, friends. Yeah. And they basically, like the, the people that I was working with in those early days were like, I mean, like, well, mom, get some formula. You're failing. Right. I'm like, wow, here's, that's here's really, shield. yeah, that's really not helpful. Yeah. And it wasn't until we got into like a mother baby program that like actually sat me down with a real lactation consultant, but that took weeks. Takes weeks. And that's, and those are crucial weeks. Those are crucial, crucial days. Yeah. Like emotionally, but also for your supply, but like also emotionally. Right. All of it. I mean, so many women, I think quit breastfeeding in those first few weeks because they're just convinced it's never going to get better. And, and it's, yeah. it's horrendous. I think also that they had brought up, um, oh God, now it's, now it's slipping my mind. They had brought up, you just said it and there it went out the window. Never mind. Like high-risk pregnancy? <laughs> no, it wasn't the high-risk pregnancy. It was something about the postpartum. Oh, there it went. Um, There's back. Wait, it's back. It came right back in that window, you guys. So they had brought up that when they come over that they don't hold the baby because they try to show mom or the parents who that this is how visits should go, that you should not feel obligated to hand your baby off to somebody just because they came to your house right. and that it is your baby and again, your space and your way of doing things. And you should not feel obligated to do anything postpartum with your baby, which includes handing your baby off to people just because that's what we're supposed to do, we guess. I don't know. Right. I don't know. I haven't dated, I haven't visited a lot of babies. Like, well, and like, they talked about like fostering confidence and like, like you can do this. Yes. With your new space. Yes. You don't need me to swoop in and fix everything for you. Right. Yeah. Yeah. So I thought that that was lovely. I thought that, um, that, that was the part for me that I like highlighted the most. And I understand that, you know, they didn't talk about pricing. I understand that it may be cost prohibitive, but I think at the risk of outing my, my people, we will, <laughs> we will bend over backwards that we didn't get into this business to make a million dollars. And so if there's a family that wants to do a trade or is asking for a discount or is asking for a modified care program so that they can, afford it in a certain way. Like we are out there and I know that it can be really uncomfortable to ask, but again, outing my people, ask us, right? Ask us. Cause we want to, we want you to have the birth that you're hoping for the postpartum, that you're hoping the, the care that you're hoping for, that you right. want, like 
and we, it we want to give it. Right. It doesn't mean that like maybe they, maybe that you like can't offer that price, but maybe there is another doula who is like exactly. just starting out or you can recommend them to a newer practice that still can provide that support, but at a rate that like makes more sense for the family. Exactly. Exactly. And I don't know a, a single dang doula who doesn't take some form of trade. And, and like, we always laugh about that people don't really take us seriously. And we're like, no, I would really take any form of trade. Like, this is not about. Let me bake you it. cookies. Yes. Bring me all the eggs. Thank you. So many eggs. Worth of cookies. It's fine. It's great. Yeah. Yeah. I, so I was just thinking about this, like the whole, um, like potential changes to Oregon, uh, laws and midwifery stuff. And like for somebody that is, well, and actually in both of our situations where like we had, we're not technically high risk, but we had these shitty outcomes. Like if you've experienced loss and the fact that you would have to be forced into the hospital care system with no real evidence to support that in this pregnancy. It's one thing if, if they looked at me and said, Oh my God, do you have more chromosomal abnormalities, Jenny? Or yeah, like because again, okay. I don't think that midwifery is in any way anti-Western medicine. It doesn't have to be one or the other. Like these interventions and like the work that OBs do and all of these things, it's so important. And it exists for a reason. And if we could only like cultivate this sense of collaboration within this community and understand like who can benefit from what and what this care model needs to look like. I, yeah. Yeah. I think to your point, like what, what we've come to define Western medicine as is this drastic, extreme, immediate call to action. Right. Oh my God, something's going on. Hit it with this, 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 and that. And I think what, what midwives represent is just this call to say, could we start at like, square one. So like both you and I have had experiences with thyroid malfunction, malfunction. We have a computer. <laughs> it's reboot this um, shit. Yeah. Like they have medicine that they want to give us or do give us and, and it can be effective, but there's also some lifestyle changes that can be effective and maybe they work, maybe they don't work, but it's what we put first. And it's not that we're putting all of our apples in one cart. We're not saying like, well, I'm only going to go with the uh, change in my diet or I'm only going to go with medicine. What we're looking for is maybe something, maybe changing my diet actually is, is beneficial to my thyroid, but also clears up my skin or also clears up my, you know, lowers my anxiety or also imp improves my sleep. And, you know, it's like I got, I started doing it because my thyroid was malfunctioning computer and <laughs> Like, but maybe I haven't taken medicine off the table. Like, I, they don't have to be mutually exclusive. No. Well, I think that's what you get with this more like holistic care. So if you're like, go see like a functional medicine practitioner or, um, you know, a midwife or like somebody who's specializing in this, who actually will like have this client centered care who sits down with you for more than 15 minutes. Yeah. Cause like I was prescribed, um, like levothyroxine for my thyroid within like 20 minutes of getting a lab result. There was no talk about like, what's going on in your life. And like, and I, I have so much admiration and respect for the, for the practitioner that, that prescribed that to me. So it wasn't like a, she's trying to slap a bandaid on it, yeah. but that's what like, that's what the solution is in that care model. It's, and nobody is everything to, to everyone. Right. Like, you know, so that care practitioner who, who found that for you is helpful in this one area, but they can't be everything to no, everyone. No. So there's no problem with looking at them and saying, thank you so much for that information. I'm going to go expand on this a little bit. Right. Right. 
And it could also be like a timing thing too. So like for me, I was like, well, I want to get pregnant soon. And I know that this will, I know about the risks of leaving Hashimoto's uncontrolled, we'll say like unmanaged. Yeah. Yeah. For so its own devices. Marriage. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And I know the timeline that it takes for implementing those lifestyle things. Mm-hmm. And so like I chose to go like medicine but also lifestyle, mm-hmm. but I knew that medicine was going to be faster, mm-hmm. but not the long game. Right. Right. Like that's not, this is not my long-term plan is it's not going to be on meds for the rest of my life. Like I can't, right. right. I hope not. Like, and unless that's something that like I really need, but I want to find a practitioner that's willing to see like what my body can do. Right. And trust my body and not just trust whatever the protocol says in the book. Right. Totally. Totally. And, and to that point, another, another thing that I thought that they were doing that was really interesting, which we kind of touched on a little bit with this whole, like attending to the actual person mm-hmm. is they've been really proactive about changing their, um, pronouns. That's not even right either, but you know what I mean? Um, you do, I don't know the people on the podcast know what I'm talking about, but, but you know, if not every birthing person was born a woman, mm-hmm. um, identifying as a woman married to a man, married to a man having a baby that like it's all really diverse and so they're very open to you showing up as you are and I also think it's really valuable that our society puts a lot of emphasis on the size of women when they're having a baby what how big were you when you started how much weight did you gain how big is your baby how big is your belly are you oh my god you look like you're about to pop how quickly are you going to bounce back you know the breast milk will suck off all your weight I mean we talk about these so many factors that have to do with a woman's size that that don't really speak at all to her health her well-being or her baby's health and well-being right and so they really have um made a bold step of saying you know we aren't even going to talk about your weight you don't have to weigh you in. Be weighed. You can do a blind way. So yeah. only they see the numbers because like, yeah. even just like the number on the scale can be so triggering. Right. Right. And, and to be honest, I, to the women out there who are currently seeing an OB and that might be triggering for them, you can ask your OB office to do the exact same thing. Yeah. You can ask your doctor, do I have to be weighed this week? Do I have to be weighed next week when I come in? Can you make a note that I don't want to be weighed? Can you make a note that I don't want to see it? And they are more than happy to to go along with that just sometimes because they're not the ones weighing you it's hard to get that information so feel free to voice up and speak up and say wait before we do this <laughs> I, you know what I, I, just tell, I just tell the nurse as we're walking in she's like let yeah. me probably wait for you today I say no thanks and we just yeah. keep walking you just keep walking it's not a big deal and it will but it made me really nervous the first few times because like I am like don't want to like oh I don't want to fuck with the system I don't want to cause trouble like blah, blah blah but I was like I also really don't want to be weighed Right. Like, because then you automatically put me into this high risk category. Yeah. It doesn't actually make sense. No. Or like to your point of, you know, I don't want to, I don't want to, you know, go against them. I don't want to be on their bad side. Right. You know, I don't want to, I don't want them to get angry with me because they feel like I'm one of those p- people, these hippies that are bucking their system. And then they're going to give me less than stellar care or less than stellar communication. Or they're just going to be like, well, Jenny Anderson causes us a fucking headache every time she comes in. So we're not going to, you know, Right, we're backwards. Isn't for her. that the problem with this, with the current yes. care model? Because it's not they're not there to serve the birthing person. They're there to cover their asses and make sure that the they can remain remain in control. And I have a problem with that because I believe that the people that we end up seeing, those medical assistants that we end up seeing, are not nearly trained enough for what they're dealing with when each one of those mamas walks in. Maybe they've had a lot of um, pregnancies and they've had a lot of losses. Maybe they, they had a really bad day. We all know that the emotions run high. Like, I just don't think that they are the most trained group to deal with what they're dealing with. Right. Yeah. I think we, um, 
so we had our, what is hopefully our final ultrasound for this pregnancy um, last week. And it was just like really clear, like, and, and again, I don't think it's, this is not like on an individual problem in, on an individual basis, like individuals within the system are wonderful. Yes. It's the system culture as a whole. And there's like no room to change. Like there doesn't feel like there's room to change it, but preach. Yes. They, the continuity of care is what really bothers me. So like I'm sitting in there for an ultrasound and this woman has no idea that I experienced a loss a year and a half ago. And like, she's like, you seem kind of nervous. And I was like, well, like these, like the ultrasounds really stress me out. Like, and they really do. Like I get incredibly anxious because I'm just like waiting for the other shoe to drop the whole time. And, um, so even just like, why is that not like a quick note in the chart? Right. Like, why is that not prepped? Like, Hey, she experienced loss at 39 weeks. So yeah, these late terms, like you telling her she's in the home stretch, it's almost here is not comforting not for her. No. no. So it's like, it's like little things like that, or, you know, the, <clears throat> even like the high risk pregnancy specialist, maternal fetal medicine, like who is like, so what they, what they tell you, why, 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 uh, why, why did, why they, why did it go wrong? And it's like so conversational about it that I'm like, wow, well, we think this, this, and this. It's like, oh, really? And I'm like, wow, okay, like this is like, I don't, like, read the oh chart. Please don't oh ask me that. Oh my God. This. Take like, five minutes before you walk into a room yeah. and, and get to know this person as much as you can. I know you have a busy day, but this is what you signed up for. So I just find that to be very frustrating. Um, Tell me more about your ultrasound because you found out some information. <laughs> We're going to call it good. I mean, yeah. So baby is doing really well. Um, so what I have not shared on the show, I don't think is that we were concerned. We had some concerning images that came through and I didn't really want to share anything until we knew more. Um, so I had my, my 20 week ultrasound and they saw this little bright spot in his stomach and that like made me want to throw up because it was like, Oh cool. They didn't know what it was. Weren't really sure. Like all my, um, NIPT testing, uh, like the blood draw that you do came back totally normal. So they're like, this looks kind of funky. It could be nothing or it could be something like it's a little, it was a little calcification. calcification. Okay. Yeah, a little calcification. So, um, they saw that on the ultrasound and they're like, it could be from, um, like swallowing vernix and skin cells and all that other stuff. that's like floating around. It could, I mean, it just could be, it could be so many different things but still anything that's out of the ordinary for me in this pregnancy, I'm like, holy fuck. And what was beautiful is that I was working with both an OB team and a midwifery team. So they, the OB team could go ahead and look at this, analyze it. I could send everything over to my midwife team and be like, can you explain this to me in like real people terms and like calm me down? And they take the time to calm me down. So this is why I've had so many ultrasounds. So we've gone in to check like baby growth and make sure that this little spot isn't getting any bigger and it hasn't, and it's totally fine. And we think that it's probably again, still just like he ate something weird. Okay, cool. It was the pizza, right? You know, whatever. right. The first of many. <laughs> so we're, we're not concerned, but we went in for this last ultrasound. They're like, spot is still teeny tiny. Hasn't gotten any bigger. No big deal. And it's one of those things that they had looked at this point and been like, we probably wouldn't have even noticed it, but we know it's there. Um, so it's not something that's gonna like cause complications through his youth. It's just babies have these all the time. If the calcification had spread or if they found multiple spots, then they, they would be concerned. And I don't even know what 
that concern would be, but I didn't go down that rabbit hole for my own sanity. Um, but so we noticed at our, we had an ultrasound at 20 weeks and then at 26 weeks, the 26 week ultrasound, I was like, they keep looking at those, my numbers up there where they like do estimated gestational age versus like real gestational age. And I was measuring like a week ahead and in some spaces, two weeks ahead. And I was like, dang, what's up with this? Like, okay. And I was like kind of joking with Shane. And then we went in this time and this baby is, I mean, as they said, your baby is really big. Again, with all of the bedside manner that you could possibly desire from that conversation. God. I'm like looking at that and like his head is like, according to the ultrasound, apparently measuring in the 99th percentile. And his belly is like in the 94th percentile and he's real tall. And I'm just like, okay. And then they do like the the weight, which I know there's a huge, huge like um, discrepancy discrepancy for weight. Like I, I never, I, if I had a mom come talk to me about this, I would be like, there's a huge margin of error. Like you don't need to stress about this unless, you know, like they saw something specific that was wrong. The fact that he's measuring big is not problematic, but I'm on the other end. And so I can't think clearly like that. <laughs> and they're like, he's currently measuring at like five pounds, four ounces. And I was like, I, I'm only 32 weeks. I grow six pound, 11 ounce babies. That's what I've done two times in a row. So I'm sorry. How big is he right now? And babies grow about a half a pound in the last in a week. Yeah. Four to eight but weeks. One wonderful woman reminded me of, and she's a former midwife, was that, yes, he's going to gain half a pound a week, but it's probably not going to be in his skull. His skull yep. is pretty well set. Very important point. At this point. Like he'll fill it up with more brain, we yep. hope. But still, it was one of those, like, anyway, it, it wasn't necessarily the information. It was the way that it was presented where I, I asked, I was like, should I be concerned about this? And the response from the maternal fetal medicine uh, doctor was essentially like, well, big babies can cause slow labors and, you know, they can get stuck. And like, and I was like, oh, cool. So you're questioning my ability to birth this baby. Yeah. Not more fear. So it was like fear, like that fear mongering. It wasn't yeah. helpful. Mm-mm. And, and then we talked about how it would be problematic if he had a giant head and a tiny body or a giant belly and like normal proportions yeah. everywhere else. Right. Yeah. He's very proportional. He's yeah. yeah sure. Maybe supposedly. Right. Yeah. And he's been very consistent. <laughs> he's been, he's been consistent. Yeah. So that was the thing. Cause I'm like sitting here swimming like, oh my gosh, should we miss a gestational diabetes diagnosis mm-hmm. diagnosis? Is there like something else going on? Cause you know, they say big bellies on babies, like, or, like if he's giant, then there's concern about that. Right. Um, or is he just like a big baby and that's okay. And I also, this is like my processing through this whole week. have never had an ultrasound at 32 weeks. So I have no idea how to compare this to my other two kids. That's such a good point. Like how many times do you have an ultrasound at 32 weeks to be like, Oh, but my other kids weren't this big. Well, they may have been at that point and then that their growth patterns just changed for the end of pregnancy. Mm-hmm. So I don't know. That's, that's such a good point. I think you should hold on to that. I think you should also hold on to the fact that your intuition is telling you he's going to come early. So maybe yeah. he's getting a little big now so that when he's going to be born at six pounds, 11 ounces. <laughs> that's what Shane said. He's like, he's probably going to still be six pounds, 11 ounces. Yeah. Just yeah. He's just going to pick his birth date appropriately. <laughs> he's like, oh, I'm done. I got to go. Got to get out. <laughs> got to get out. We finished. 
but it is, it is the unknown is really terrifying. Yeah. Especially I think with the context where I'm coming from, yes. so anything that is out of the ordinary from my last two pregnancies, because even if I look at Elliot's pregnancy, it was very, very textbook. Like it very much mirrored my pregnancy with Edith, except for the outcome. Right. And so it was one of those, like, I can't like, wait, what's going on? If there's something out of the ordinary, then I, then I instantly think that there's something wrong. Right. And I don't know, I don't know about you, but when I was laboring grace towards the end, it was like literally in the middle of labor with her, it was just get this done. Like going into labor, getting induced, no problem, whatever, whatever. And then once it started to get going, it was like, I didn't kind of have the bandwidth for that. And so if somebody had told me like, it's probably gonna take a while because you have a big baby. I think that that would have, um, not been the kind of mindset I needed. So no. I, I wonder too, if like that kind of comment of your labor is going to take longer. Oh my gosh. It yeah. freaks me out. Like, you know, yeah. I text you like right away. I was like, so here, we need to talk about this. <laughs> yeah. Because and I think also, if you don't mind me sharing, you oh, can edit no. this out if it's a problematic, but away. Um, we, we mamas who um, have lost a baby, we feel betrayed by our bodies. We feel like our bodies let us down. I did all these things right for you, body. I looked out for you and you're not looking out for me. And so when we are encountering a situation where we have to trust, yeah. it's real hard. Yeah. And it's, it's, it's totally it. And I think you, cause you would ask me like several questions and that was one of them. Like, and I think that has been something that I have yet to kind of close the gap on um, since losing Elliot is like, it's me and my body. We are not one. We are yeah. like two separate things. And I don't know how to describe that to other. And sometimes I think about that. I was like, what do you mean? Like it's two separate things, but that's how it feels. I'm like, I have like conversations with my body about how like we're going to, we need to work together on this. Mm-hmm. Like you're the same thing. Mm-hmm. Like, what is this other thing that I'm hanging out in? It's kind of this weird kind of trippy. I think about it too much, but, um, no, I don't think you think about it too much. I think it's one of those things that just takes a lot, a lot, a lot of time and yeah. a lot of experiences to, um, not feel separate. Yeah. So I think I'm still very much in that divided space. And so yeah. for me, it's really important to like have a really safe and supported birth environment and, yeah what that looks like and who's going to be there. And again, like looping it back to that conversation we were having earlier, like if I was in this, if I had to go through the Kaiser system for whatever reason, and or like a hospital system, this is not like a poo-poo on Kaiser. Like, I don't know that I would actually ever feel safe enough to birth in the way that I want to. And, um, really get the support that I need through that process to like trust my body. I'm not even talking about pregnancies for, I'm like talking about just like labor. Right. So if I have to go in with this knowledge that like, <clears throat> okay, a girl, little chunk of a kid, maybe, right. <laughs> maybe we don't know, but, and like, they're already telling me like labor is going to take a really long time. Like what a fucking st- terrible seed to plant. Yes. So, like, already scared. Right. Yeah which is not going to help anybody. No, it's not going to help anybody. And then, and then it's, you know, really hard for you to turn off your brain of, of what are they thinking? What are they already looking towards another step of intervention? Are they already assuming I can't do this? You know, it's. Well, and that's exactly what was happening, right? It's like, they were assuming that I can't do, do this. Mm-hmm. And maybe she wasn't, maybe she was having a tough day and I get that, but also choose your words carefully. Yeah. Or clarify it later. If you think maybe it didn't come across right. 
And they're like, we should have you come back in at 36 weeks for another ultrasound to monitor growth. And I'm thinking like, for who? Like, who is that going to help? Right. Like, is he healthy? Yes. Great. So if you, do you want to just confirm that he's still big or that what? He's bigger. (laughs) Yeah. Because for me, it's like, I wish I hadn't seen those numbers. Right. Um, Because I am incredibly analytical. So I'm like, I love some, I love me some data. (laughs) (laughs) But like, that's not helpful for me to have. Like that, I need to turn that part of my brain off during pregnancy and labor and birth and all that stuff. And we all do. Current midwife, I sent her a frantic email. (laughs) She's like, here's the deal. There is no reason to believe that you are growing a baby that your body can't deliver. And I think that that is what that other person should have led with. Yeah. Like, yeah, he's a bigger baby. He's on the bigger end, but there's no reason to believe because there isn't, right? There is no reason. There is no reason to believe that your body doesn't know exactly what it's doing. Yeah. Yeah. Have you asked Shane if he trusts your body? No. That's, oh no, no, no. <laughs> I assume like, he does. Yeah, I mean, like, I, I, I would assume that he's going to, he, that he probably has a lot more faith in your body than you do. Yeah, I would assume that also. <laughs> yeah, and, and, and maybe that would help to hear. Right. No, that's a good point. Yeah. But, okay, I, I don't necessarily have to have a lot of faith in my body, but I have faith in Shane and Shane has faith in my body. So I'll work with that. Right. It's like everyone in the room thinks that I can. I need to get yeah. on board too. But yeah. And that's, that's and that's the difference. Was. Exactly. And that's the difference between what the OB said and what Shane and the midwife say. Right. So nothing has changed except for your confidence in me. And that's what I need right now. Right. Yeah. yeah. Go out there, go out there and find those people, people. Birth this baby. This, I feel like this baby is trying to like come out yesterday. <laughs> well, you told me your intuition's telling you, I believe you. I believe mama's intuition about coming early and how it's all going to go down. We'll start taking the pool now. Yeah, no. Okay. I think part of me just really wants to have baby early. <laughs> Not too early. I want them to be fully cooked, right. healthy, but yeah, I don't really want to go much further past 38 weeks, to be honest. Right. If I can afford it, right. I will lose my shit if I have to sit at 41 weeks. I remember being 30, what was I? 30, sorry, but let me do my math real quick. I was 36 weeks mm-hmm. and with my grace. blood pre- with grace and my blood pressure was starting to rise a little bit um, with like little teeny, teeny, weeny signs of pre preeclampsia sort of thing. Okay. Sure. Never, it never happened for me, but that's what they were kind of monitoring. And right. I gained quite a bit of weight and I was obviously in not a good emotional state. So there was a lot of like, there's a lot of factors. Hey, yeah. This girl's not doing a great job. <laughs> and I had the pubis emphasis really bad. And well, it's the worst. Yeah. Yeah. So I remember talking to my neighbor who's super sweet and she has grandchildren. So like I'm kind of in between the age of her children, her grandchildren. And she's telling me as I'm 36 weeks pregnant and I'm thinking in my head, I've got two, maybe three weeks to go. He'll induce me at 39 weeks. Like I can do this. And she says, both my girls came at 44 weeks. No, that's what she said. My, I threw up a little bit cause I was like, I'm not being pregnant for another eight weeks. I'm just, I'm not. And then, like, I'm still not sure, you guys, if that was, like, an accurate thing or not. But the fact that in her head she went 44 weeks, I was like, I bow down to you, pioneer woman. <laughs> like, I could – I don't know that I could have gone past 39 weeks mentally and you went another in your head five weeks. Like, you went four that, weeks man. late. No, she just was like, well, I'll just keep working in the garden, wait for these little babies to drop. 
Well, okay, but but like in, I think in Europe they start the counting differently, right? Because, Tell me what you know. Oh, it's I'm I'm gonna fuck this up because I don't have it in front of me. Okay. But I think that if you look on, I think if you can, you can look on um, estimated due dates on evidence based birth as well, and they go forty weeks from conception, rather than in the U.S. we go to estimate due date. In the U.S. we go technically 38 weeks from conception, 40 weeks from the date of your last period. Does that make sense? It makes 100% sense to me. So that, that's, your two, that's your quote unquote two week window. But so the, in Europe, do they still make you, do they still kind of follow this? You do it 40 weeks and we need to induce you by 42 weeks? I believe, or do they back it so, up? I don't know what, I don't know what European policy is. Gotcha. But, I believe so, but if you were to translate those same dates, it would translate to 42 and 44. Exactly. Yeah, that's what I'm thinking. I'm like, oh, so they are two weeks later over there. Right. So there's so a little fascinating. Yeah. It's because men designed the system. Well, and I was about to say, if you look in the history of the, of the 40 week due date, it's like this arbitrary number that somebody just decided to pick out of the blue. They're like, I don't know, this feels about right. Let's put it right here. 40 weeks. Some old white dude. A hundred percent. I think all the midwives were like, uh, 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 no, kind of. Yes. Yeah. Like, come on. No. So yeah. So fascinating. So I totally hear what you're saying. Check this sometimes. (laughs) (laughs) So what I'm saying is you guys, we can all go to 44 weeks. Just kidding. (laughs) Not a good idea for everybody. No, no. Mentally or physically or otherwise. Otherwise. Yes. No. Yeah. Yeah. Well, um, just know that I'm on the, on the boat with the midwife that I trust that your body is growing a baby. That is perfectly suited for your body. Thank you. I appreciate it, that. It does know what it's doing. I sure hope so. <laughs> I know. Yeah. It's more like, I am very pregnant right now. <laughs> I know you are. It's an awesome belly. Yeah. It's so beautiful. Can I see it again? In position to, I mean, it's been a week since I've seen you. Yes. Oh my God. It's so oh, cute. Liz. I feel like I'm just like ballooning over here. And I don't like, I don't mind that. I'm just like, oh my God. Well, it starts to become real, like, present in your lap 24-7. It really is. <laughs> it really – I was, like, walking past a coffee shop this morning and, like, caught my reflection, and I was like, holy shit. a <laughs> big old baby in there. a big old baby in there. Because I felt very pregnant for a while, but then now it's like there's no question about what is happening here. Totally. I think also for us being taller women that like somehow it doesn't present itself until just all of a sudden. I remember going to my therapist. long torso, too. So it's like, Yeah. Yeah, I walked in and she goes, whoa, you are pregnant. And I was like, no. what, was I, what was I last time? <laughs> just, is, not, is this not a big bump? Oh, no, now it is. Now it is. Now it's official. Yeah. yeah. Hilarious. Oh, pregnancy. Oh, pregnancy. The joys. It's good times. I'll tell you to enjoy it as much as you can, but I know you're like, I want to hold my baby. Right. I, like, I still enjoy being pregnant. Like This one, I'm like very, like physically, I feel the... Um, the intentional spacing that we did <laughs> the intentional and unintentional spacing that we had between these kiddos. Mm-hmm. Um, like, I just don't feel like I had enough time to, cause we got pregnant nine months after Elliot was born. So like not super ideal for me and recovery and all that kind of stuff. No. And I, and I like, I think that that, I mean, obviously that happened the same thing with me. 
And I found that really interesting when you were talking about like the trust in your body and how it feels like you're this other person. I mean, it's taken me years to feel like I, like I, I now feel like I trust my body and that is three, almost three and a half years after Jack. And, but yet I wanted so badly to be pregnant. And so it's like, if I could have written it out perfectly, I'd be getting pregnant now with grace. But that doesn't make sense for there's so many factors on the side of me. Yeah. Or like how, how much I wanted, I wanted my kids close in age. I didn't want them to be super separated apart. And so there's so many factors and that's, I just think such an interesting, almost unsolvable problem right. of when do I conceive after a loss? Right. It's a question that like pops up in my inbox all the time. Like, Hey, we're starting to think again. Like, when do you think we should wait? And I was like, I always tell them to go like talk to their doctor first. Right. Because yeah. losses happen for so many reasons, but right. Right. And to your point, I mean, like the nutritional, yeah, I I do, I do look at grace and think like, okay, you did not get all the nutrients you needed from my body. You can, we can make up for it though. Right. Working hard on that one. Yeah. Right. For sure. Your body prioritized her. It's like, now how do we get everyone back on track? Right. And that's the conversation that like, that's the piece of the puzzle when we talk about child spacing that, that doesn't really get brought in because we can, again, look at the data and look at the research and be like, yes, for optimal outcomes, you like 18 months from the stop of breastfeeding to like to um, pregnancy to getting pregnant with the next kid is ideal. But that again, doesn't take into consideration like what your family wants and all, I mean, all these other things that go into it that um, I think it's just something to keep in mind. Right. Like, so if, if you want babies closer together or if you're in a situation where you're like, Oh, this is the hand we've been dealt. Like knowing how to supplement and support that, so everyone gets right. the best deal that they can. Right, which it's is also included, really, right? Because we always just talk about baby. No, I think it's mama. It's yeah, I mom. Think it's, yeah, it's mom. And like to your point that we now have, thank God, have that ability to supplement. You know, a hundred years ago or more, like women were literally being drained by having subsequent children, 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 and not having healthy diets. They were living in squalor. They were, they were working too hard. They were, you know, all those factors. And at least now, if you do decide I want to have my children close together, there are things that you can take for your body and do for your body to replenish it. Um, I wouldn't say faster, but like faster is the, is the key there, but like to help it kind of replenish itself and don't stop taking your fish oil. (laughs) Don't stop taking your fish oil. Don't stop taking your prenatal. Just keep, just Just keep that shit going. Yeah. Just keep going on that. Right. All those factors. Yeah. You know, (laughs) vitamin B or all that stuff. Well, like last time we were talking about how I, um, like we never updated this. I I never, I did not break my ankle as we previously thought. Yeah. That thing. Um, but I was sitting here thinking like, oh my God, like, my bones are brittle from having my pregnancies so close together. Cause like they're, this little baby is sucking up all the calcium, right? Like that's part of the, the joys of pregnancies. They really like, they do a number on your bones, but that's why like weight, weight, weightlifting and nutrition is so, is so important um, during mothering years. Cause it helps build strong bone mass. But I was like, shit, I, I little broke my ankle from a bike pedal. Like, fuck. I did not break my ankle from a bike pedal. You are not brittle. The doctor was wrong. I bruised my bone and it hurt, but that's anyway, neither here nor there. And you and I both agree that it was probably a good thing that you were so strict about staying off of it for a little bit. So that probably really aided in your recovery. 
It sure did. But man, my like hips and pubic symphysitis are real angry about that choice. God, I, bet I like are. don't know what the, I don't know what would have been better. I think I would have rather taken a bum ankle than my pubic bone feeling like it's disintegrating. <laughs> I'm doing all the chiropractic care and doing PT and it's getting better, but it's still just good. Fine. Good. That's, that's, I can do nothing but cry a little bit for you. Yeah. So sorry. You don't know until you know with the pubic pain. Nobody can, like, you, you can't describe this to anybody. Yeah. A 45 pound baby. He's at 45 pounds. <laughs> Biggest baby ever. Sometimes I'm like, there's a bowling ball sitting on top of my pubic bone that is currently not holding itself together very well. No, it's not pulling its own weight at all. No. Dead weight. It's literally going to fall out. <laughs> no. <laughs> Don't do that. He's going to find his way. He's going to mold that beautiful head. <laughs> oh god <laughs> he's gonna mold that thing yeah. oh friend <laughs> oh love i'm so excited for you oh thank you i'm excited It'll be magical and we'll talk more before we before yeah yeah for better. sure better yeah oh my gosh we don't think he's coming anytime next week <laughs> no no we're clear uh but maybe we can ask our listeners to send us so we are going to talk about social media and pregnancy yes so if you guys have seen some either things that are really inspiring and helpful for you on social media or some things where you're like, what the actual fuck? Um, send them to us. You can go send them to Jenny and her DMs at birdie.in.bend, right? Mm-hmm. Okay, cool. Or at Liz Winters Wellness because we want to talk about social media impact on pregnancy and all that kind of fun yeah. stuff. There's a lot or of- even things that you see that you're like, is this real? Is this normal? Is this, is this real? okay? I saw one the other day that was a nuchal cord around a baby mm-hmm. and they're like, nuchal cords aren't that bad. But I, this baby looked like it had like a, like a bird neck. It was, yeah. I was like, Oh, I don't, mm, geez. <laughs> right. Yeah. So it's like, let's talk about all the different ways this could. Show yeah. On. Yeah. Do some things like delve into clickbait a little bit, you know, yeah. cheese boards, cheese boards. Send us your cheese boards. That too, you guys. Send me all of your cheese board ideas. I will be accepting cheese boards only for our meal train postpartum. <laughs> I'm on it. Perfect. I'm gonna ask. I'm gonna ask Cassie for some suggestions. Perfect. Yeah, sounds great. All right, love. It was so good to see you. I'm glad that you yeah. and your belly and your ankle are, and your Edith are all doing better. We're all doing good. So yeah. Good. And Shane, sorry, Shane, you too. Buddy. I mean that too. He's fine. <laughs> yeah. You. He sat back pretty quick. You told me you're like he's doing yeah, better. Like the next day, he was fine. Yeah. Yeah. Well, so we'll make another trip out there real soon. Do it. Well, and we'll talk to you later. Okay, bye. Bye. Thanks for tuning in to another episode of Beyond Birth Podcast. If you love what you're hearing, we'd be so thrilled if you'd subscribe, rate, and leave a review for our podcast wherever you enjoy listening. Until next time.